Wait, 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 wait. The leprechaun's not blind? Blind? No. Al, what... Whatever gave you that idea? That's the whole reason I'm doing this picture. I signed on to play Lucky the Leprechaun. It's not his name. Because you guys said he was blind. When did we ever say that? It's right there in your script. I say, I'll never see you coming. No, no, no. You say, you'll never see me coming. Oh. Well, what about page 57? I say, I'm in the dark here. Oh, no, I, I don't recall that. You, you are hiding in the dark on several occasions. Right, and that's when I planned on screaming, I'm in the dark here. I am, I'm at a loss. Where is that exactly? Right here, pal. Did you write this in yourself? Look, I really, really want to say, I'm in the dark here. I'm sorry, but the last thing we want to do is alert Jennifer Aniston to your presence at that point in the film. Yeah, that's another thing. I'm surrounded by nobody's here, like this anus time. Aniston. That's what I said. Well, we are a low-budget operation, Al, as you know. Look, as long as you push me for the Oscar, that's all I care about. Oh, the Oscar? Oh, oh. Alphonse, I, I appreciate the vote of confidence, but I, I don't think this will be an awards contender. Well, why the hell else am I even doing this? The clock is ticking. You think I like wearing funny hats and gigantic buckles and shit? I thought you were a fan of the genre. Who's John Ra? The fat guy or the dad who looks like he's in a porno? Al, forget it. I'll ask Anus time. Aniston. I'm in the dark here! Coming soon. This summer. At theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Rated R. Welcome to episode 32 of Opening Weekend. I'm Jason O'Connell, and I am once again joined by my dear friends Fred Berman and Dan Matisse. And this week, we travel back to January 8th, 1993, which saw the wide releases of two Oscar contenders, Chaplin, starring Best Actor nominee Robert Downey Jr., and Scent of a Woman, starring another Best Actor nominee and the year's eventual winner, Al Pacino, as well as Leprechaun, the first in a long-running franchise of horror comedies, I guess, starring Warwick <laughs> Davis of Willow and Return of the Jedi fame. But before we get to this week's movies, the big question is, where were we all in January of 1993? And I will give you the answer. We were all rehearsing Shakespeare's <laughs> Measure for Measure at Hofstra <gasps> University. But wow. wait, were we in... But wait, why did I just want to... But wait, but wait, why did I got so high-pitched there? But wait a minute... <laughs> You know, it's the new year. It's 2021. I got to talk lower for 2021. Hold Good on. Thing. Let's start oh, that's this again. Right. This is a new year. I got to sound a little sexier for the mm, podcast. For once. No. Okay. Why were we? I thought we were still on a we break. Were, in a couple weeks, we were. Okay. We were, bare, we were on a break and we were about to start rehearsing. We were about to we start. We were about okay. to. January, the oh. month of January, we started sometime in there. That's my recollection. We started yeah, right no, away. Yeah, no, you're right. Because we, we were all at Hofstra. But I you're was right. a junior. We were, we were a senior. We probably had, I don't know when we used to come back from break, probably like around the 20th or something like that. Oh, man, I'm sorry. I took down, you, you were so excited and I just no, fucking no. knocked it down. I remember, I came back. I apologize. In When we did Hamlet in 91, and I think in Mar Mary Wives in 92, we came back early and started rehearsing like a week before. <gasps> oh, um, you're you know, we would, right. We would, 
but still, it might be January eighth is probably a little early. We probably weren't. It probably wasn't until mid January that we started rehearsing. No, you're absolutely right, and that was always something so exciting when you were doing the Shakespeare Festival at, at the old Hofstra University that you would come back a little early. Go early, and there's nobody on the dorms or anything, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I've got to rehearse. I got to rehearse. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. So yeah, so right around here we were starting. Were we on the uh, the John Cranford Adams recreation of Shakespeare's Globe for this? No, particular not for show? measure for measure. Oh, I don't no. believe okay. so. No, they used okay. it for Merry Wives the year before, and okay. and they had used the bones of it, the skeleton of it, for Hamlet two years prior. So then right. they were due to have an, a, a quote unquote original set for Measure for Measure, and I it was like yeah. some sort of Viennese. It wasn't like an, some sort of Austrian Art Decoy thing, wasn't it? That's exactly what it was. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's exactly no what it was. Yeah. For those listening, they at Hofstra University they would do the big Shakespeare Festival, and they did the uh, recreation of the original Globe Theater in the Playhouse mm-hmm. uh, every couple of years. So that that was a big, uh, big thing that we would do there. But this year, no, it, yeah, it was. I I do seem to remember that there were a lot of pillars to... and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a very sparse stage, if I remember. But yeah. we would still have the Disco Globe party no matter what happened. <gasps> the I Disco so. Globe. The Disco Globe. With the moose and juice, this was right? A tr- well, that's what I was just going to say. You read my mind. This was a true college uh, party in the sense that there was a giant garbage can in the middle of the stage <laughs> that was filled with something called moose juice, which God only knows. How were we allowed to do that, first of all? Second of all, were there were there was no adult supervision, right? Were there no. any adults there? No. How, how did we not get kicked off the campus? I th- I think it was just kind of an understood thing, you know. Like the guy <laughs> who ran the playhouse was Tank Tank Pasuelo, Al Tank Pasuelo, who had been a theater student and a football right. player at Hofstra University back in like the '60s, and he was like. Not that he was like a freewheeling guy or anything like that, but I, I don't know. Like it was him, and then there were a couple people right below him who kind of operated the playhouse, and it felt like as long as like a guy had a key and let you through the back, it wasn't a big deal. I, I kind of just like, trusted us somehow. Yeah. I guess they, so. They, they were pretty trusting of the, the drama majors in general. I think at the school we get because this was also the year. This was a little later. Or maybe it was around this time. This was around the time when I almost got arrested. What? Because, what? Uh, <laughs> at Hofstra? I mean, that's a, at Hofstra. Yeah, I mean, what? arrested by Hofstra police because I, I think you were with me, Dan. Actually, when I stuck my finger in wet cement. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, there was a, uh, and I mean, this is a whole other story that is it's sort of an amazing story and it leads to some other stuff that happened later oh in, my in God, the year. I forgot about this. But yeah, I stuck my finger. We We were coming back. From a party and a little inebriated, probably. Maybe we're coming back from the from the disco globe party, for all I know. And there was wet cement in front of uh, our tower, Tower C. And I thought, oh, I've always wanted to stick my finger in wet cement. <laughs> and I did. Jesus. And I was going to write my name. And as I as I was doing it, the guy was like, what are you doing? And there was a security guard right there. And for oh, whatever wow. reason, I didn't see him and no one told me. And then the next day... Of course, the entire slab was filled up with like A pi and Delta Sigma Nu or whatever. Like so many other people got in there. But since I was the idiot that got caught, I got dragged in. And uh, so I was on probation. But then later down the line, later down the year, uh, Pete, our good friend Pete and I, again, almost got arrested because we broke into a rehearsal space to rehearse uh, a scene for a pinter class. (laughs) 
and they were going to expel us. And I was already on like double probation for the cement thing. But I remember we got out of it because the Dean was like, Oh, you guys are drama students. And like, she, she loved it. She loved the fact that we were drama students and we were rehearsing and she's like, nah, that's ridiculous. So, Oh my God. I, you know, there oh, were probably so many other crazy fraternity parties and other shit yeah. going on. Like, Long Island idiots are like, you know what? Let let the actors have their little their little party on the stage and let them do what they want and do yeah. their scene work and whatever. It's true. It seemed like we were like good kids mostly, you know. That's what it Except when like. we weren't defacing school property. Well, you know? I mean, yeah, like you I stuck was. your finger in cement. That's like a Tom Sawyer thing. It's like, I, I want to <laughs> see what it feels like to put my finger in something wet. Well, it wasn't what? just my finger. No. Oh, there you good go. Morning. I was a junior in college. <laughs> oh, you know what right. I remember about the, about the Disco Globe? Now that you now you mentioned that, Dan, go ahead. I had a really good time at that Disco Globe. And I remember. Oh, Lord. I, I wore a lot of vests around this time. Yes, you yes, did. Yes, you were the I had a lot of vests. And I remember pretty specifically going to this one wearing a white T-shirt and it, it was a vest that I got that my mom got me because I said to her one day, I was like, hey, I really want some crazy vests. And she got me a vest that was obviously like <laughs> worn by an old Jewish woman in the city. Like it was something that like Lainey Kazan would have worn or something. That's a crazy, that makes for a crazy vest. Yeah, it, it was, it was nice. I remember, I think, I feel like it had like, it had like a watercolor apple on it. It had like fruit. Wow. And I would God. wear these vests. Robin Williams can get away with something like that. <laughs> Yes. I think it was someone's food emporium uniform. <laughs> the cash, like the checkout boy or something. Your mom just gave that. They just gave yeah. it to your mom. The name tag on it. <laughs> that was, uh, you're bringing back memories now because that was the first show that I ever had where I just blanked on stage and I would do oh, no. it almost night after night because. Oh, no. Claudio had this big speech. It wasn't, it really wasn't a huge role, but it was like, it's like the catalyst for the play because he gets, he gets arrested for impregnating his girlfriend. And that's what sort of sets things off. And there's there's that incredible scene with his sister, Isabella, where he's like basically pleading for his life for her to do something on his behalf. He's got a very sort of Hamlet-esque monologue. And I remember Mm -hmm. when I was doing the research for the role, you know, as was my want back then to dive in and I've got to, you know, what, what would a prisoner do and yes. you know, living in, in, in squalor and oh, I'm just going to live outside for, I don't know, whatever the stupid method shit <laughs> What I did you do? Did you uh, sleep in a shed like Patrick Dempsey? For, <laughs> did, you, did you actually research your role? And, like Patrick that's when Dempsey. I was, that's when I was researching to audition for Can't Buy Me Love. Right. And they, they wouldn't even Patrick see me Dempsey. for it. I don't know what it was. Maybe I was getting so into my own stupid self-importance of, of you know, I've got to feel it. I've got to, but I, th- there was one moment and it happened one night. I just hit a moment. I had no idea what I was, what I was doing. I didn't know where I was. I didn't know what I was saying. And I just completely blanked. And I ended up just falling to my knees and going, please, please saying something. And it happened once. And I apologized. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And it just kept happening every single night. Oh, and I remember no. Julie Smith who played, what, what was it? Isabella? Is that the role? Yeah. Isabella. Mm-hmm. Isabel, yeah. Oh, God, the look after, you know, mm-hmm. after one night, it was like, that's okay. Then the second night, it was like, really? And then the third night, she's like, Jesus Christ, get your shit together. <gasps> you, go, hey, you know people, what? If I just had my vest on, I would have been fine. Oh, your that's Apple what it vest. was. Oh. I can't act without a good vest. I think Warwick Davis wears a vest all throughout Leprechaun, and I think it really helped <laughs> his performance. 
Immeasurably. It seemed to feed him on some level. I think that's why I sort of empathized with that character so much. You know, I saw I saw a kindred spirit. I said, ah, there's what is, I don't know what it is about that. You know, it was also the height, you know, and that I, I recognized that. I and the lust for Jennifer Aniston, which I also share. That's but right. most of all, the vests. And <laughs> His insane love of pogo sticks and roller skates. Oh, oh yeah, right. He was like a wow. gremlin, and he like it was all like riding toys around and stuff constantly. He was, was totally <laughs> a gremlin, but he wasn't a gremlin. He was a leprechaun. He certainly was, and that brings us to our first movie, Scent of a Woman. I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> leprechaun. The luck of the Irish is being packed and shipped to a little town in South Dakota whose luck may have just run out. Leprechaun. It's out. It's out of the crate. Dan O'Grady, played by Shay Duffin, steals a hundred gold coins from a leprechaun, played by Warwick Davis, while on vacation in Ireland. The leprechaun follows him home to rural North Dakota, but Dan locks the murderous imp in a crate and places a four-leaf clover upon it, which the leprechaun is powerless to remove. Weighed down by the clover and trapped in the box for ten years, the leprechaun is finally released when Tori Redding, played by Jennifer Aniston, and her father rent O'Grady's property for the summer, and their new neighbor accidentally brushes the clover away. Once freed, the leprechaun goes on a murderous rampage to reclaim his gold, roller skating and pogo sticking his way into your heart, sometimes literally. The screenplay, written by director Mark Jones, has none of the whimsy or catchphrasy goodness of the Child's Play or Nightmare on Elm Street movies, and the film earned only $8.5 million during its theatrical run, but Leprechaun still made a sizable impression, launching an eight-episode franchise that saw the Leprechaun travel to outer space and make two consecutive trips to the hood. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think? Of leprechaun. Let me ask you something. <laughs> you're Warwick Davis. Yes. You're playing a leprechaun. Yes. In the movie Leprechaun. Gotcha. After you steal the role away from Al Pacino, allegedly. Right. <laughs> yeah. At what point between the audition process, the casting process, and doing the actual movie, do you does do you say to yourself, or does anyone say to you, you know, it might be a good idea? playing Leprechaun in the movie Leprechaun to do an Irish accent. He doesn't have an Irish accent, you guys. He can't do it. He can't do it. He can't do it. He's like, I've got got something other people don't have, and that's less body than... (laughs) This was this is this is a week of poor accent choices. Let's just oh, yeah. let's just let's just throw that out there right well, at the start. But, but uh, I was an hour and forty seven minutes into Scent of a Woman, and then I was like, well, "Is he doing an accent now?" Yeah. All of a sudden, <laughs> I was like, "When is, when did he? When did the Water Boy, the Cajun Water Boy, show up in Scent of a Woman?" Yeah, you anyway, can't say hoo ah without that. an accent. Let's you can honest. and you should. <laughs> no, but you're right. You not should. not great accents uh, yeah, across the but board. I, I thought of I thought of the same thing, but then I also thought, but he's also Warwick Davis, and again, I think you know they they were maybe limited in their choices. You notice his his name is above the title in the credits. It, oh yeah. it starts. It says Warwick Davis, 
is or in Leprechaun. So, so he's like the draw. He is the draw. He's the only wow. because of Willow, I guess, which was five years earlier or more. Okay. That's the only star in the movie. We know Jennifer Aniston now, but she hadn't done Friends for another year. There's nobody else in the movie I recognize. Even well, there's the kid from uh, Pee Wee Herman. Pee Wee Herman's arch nemesis. Yeah, Francis. Yes, yes. <laughs> Francis from Pee Wee Herman. A decade ago. hosing him down. <laughs> Yes, maybe he should have been above the title. But I think <laughs> with that, I think they were like, yes, you're right. There's many little people who could have done the, the part, but Billy he was Barney the only wasn't one available. With- Call Billy Barney. <laughs> Get him on the horn. I'm sure he can do an He might have accent. passed at that point. Who knows? What blew me away about this movie, and I don't know why. First of all, there, there are two things that popped out right in the beginning. First, mm-hmm. my, my my first hope, because this was the last movie. I'd seen the other two before, but mm-hmm. I obviously did a rewatch. And I was really hoping to be able to say, Oddly enough, Leprechaun was the best movie that I saw this week out of all three <laughs> movies. It wasn't. It's really, it's it's a terrible, terrible movie. I was, I was like disappointed. I was like, it's fucked up to say I'm disappointed that yeah. Leprechaun wasn't better. But I was. I was like, this has got to be funny. It's yeah. got to be good. No, it's, well, the and then the other thing that, that and again, I don't know Damn, why this it. shocks me so much. Because it starts, it says Warwick Davis in Leprechaun. And then it, I, I, I was blown away. I was like, oh, it's just starting with the Leprechaun. Like there's no, there's no buildup. It's just the first thing. It's just a leprechaun. shot of the movie is a leprechaun wandering down. Now, again, I don't know why I'm surprised. It's a movie called Leprechaun. It's about a leprechaun. So of course they can start with the leprechaun, but I was still shocked. I'm like, oh, they're fucking starting with the leprechaun. It never happens. Right. Right. There's no horror movie that starts with like the killer being like, hey, everybody. And just start just hacking away. Hi, everybody. I'm Michael Myers or Pumpkinhead or Jason. <laughs> I'm Pumpkinhead. And it wasn't even, it wasn't creepy. There was nothing. No. It was just him doing his hoity tighty 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 thing or, you know, talking about, I don't know, if I, if you get through the, I'll, if you steal my gold, I'll, you won't get through the, you won't make it through the night. I, but for some reason, I don't know. Again, it seems so weird just to be like, oh, wow, they're starting with the leprechaun. That's it. Yeah. It's, it's not, not the an same origin thing. story, really. It's not an origin story. It's just like he's already mid doing his thing. Yeah. <laughs> he's, just, he's just looking for gold and killing people. That's with, it. With spectacular special effects. I mean, everything was just scratching faces and arms and just like just some odd. There's blood. I, I touch yeah. you and then blood is there afterwards. <laughs> Everything the the leprechaun's hand is a big deal in this. All the best parts of the movie involve the leprechaun's hand. It's right. either getting chopped off or coming out of a phone or or he he spatulas it. What? That's what? right. I'm gonna jump in here because I, I I don't know if that's the best. I I mean, the, did did you ever think when we started this <laughs> podcast that we would ever be talking about a murder scene where someone is killed by a pogo stick with a leprechaun jumping on it? No, Listen, I didn't. He kills someone by getting on a pogo stick <laughs> and jumping on them and then saying, oh, you'll bounce. Oh, you'll bounce back. I thought maybe we'd see that in one true thing, but I was disappointed. <laughs> I thought maybe William Hurt would kill Meryl Streep at the end in that fashion while the children looked on. But, but, but did you yeah. notice throughout the whole movie, they, I feel like they just threw random toys around the set. Like yes. they, there, was a, there was a skateboard, there were roller skates, there was a pogo stick, there was a little Wasn't you know, there a toy, toy car, car with a, a toy, teddy bear he, in it? And he gets in the toy car. He gets pulled over by a policeman driving a toy car. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he kills a policeman. Who thinks he's a kid. He chases Jennifer Aniston in a wheelchair. He's in a wheelchair for a long time, which again, I was confusing oh, yeah. to me. Because right. he can, he can materialize at, at will, but yet he can't right. just materialize back to the farm. He's got to get in a wheelchair. The, yeah, the funniest thing. Strange. His compulsive yeah. need to shine shoes was great. Yeah. It was, that was the best part, is when Jason, they throw a bunch of shoes brilliant. at him. <laughs> brilliant. That's fantastic. That because brilliant. Yes, because they're using, it's no. not just, let's just keep shooting him or hitting him with shovels or rakes or whatever. Let's use his one weakness slash talent, his one super ability that he has against him. That's his kryptonite. That's his kryptonite. They're throwing shoes around because he must polish them. This movie was very enjoyable to me. Oh, it was oh, very of course enjoyable. it was. I, and I'll say this now with great confidence. You're like babies and leprechauns. It was, well, what, they're the same thing. Well, this no. movie was more enjoyable to me than the first half of Chaplin. Oh, I'd, I'd go further. I'd, I'd say maybe the entirety of Chaplin. Oh, but, really, Fred? But, uh, oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a better made film. I'm yeah. saying it was more no. enjoyable to watch and I had more fun. I don't know. It was, I see what you're saying about the shoes. It just wasn't. <laughs> that was one funny thing. It was but like it wasn't, it was even, like, it, it wasn't even executed well. Like the, <laughs> no. the, if Warwick, I look. I know he's like a part of our childhood because he was in Return of the Jedi and Willow, but he's not very good, Warwick Davis. And actually, my you know my kids are watching Harry Potter right now. Uh, was he in that? Oh, that's right. He he's plays, in. He has um, Professor Flitwick. He he does not do his best work in this movie. And. From what I read, this script was kicking around since like the eighties. This guy, the, the guy, what's his name? Who who directed and wrote Martin it? Martin Jones. Martin Is that Jones. It? Is it He's had it for a simple. while, and originally it was just a straight ahead horror movie. You know, he was like, let's let's take the yeah. Lucky Charms Leprechaun, but just make him murderous, like a sort of um, what was that movie in the eighties? Silent Night, Deadly Night, about yeah. Santa Claus. Yeah. Right. And it was then, probably going to be a movie called St. Patrick's Day or something because they've all got all those like sure. horror holiday <laughs> yes. things, you know. But then when Warwick Davis, you know, was attached, he, from what I read, he decided let's make it more of a comedy. I'm a leprechaun, me dear. Here, this is what you're looking for, right? Ah, me powers are returning. <laughs> it sounds like we go. <laughs> It looks like we go. <laughs> it smells like we go. This one line he says, me golden delicious gold. That's like saying <laughs> me me chickeny delicious chicken. He's not great. It's either it's either at the script level or it's, oh. you know, at the let me let me get another take. I've got I got something good here. Yeah. But you know who, who makes it work? For the most part, it's Jennifer, Jennifer Aniston. Aniston. Yeah, she does. And She's you, great. You watch her. First of all, wow, wow, wiki. She, wow. <laughs> I, I mean, I have a thing for Jennifer Aniston, so seeing her in this, I was just like, oh, blah, yeah. blah, blah. but uh, you you watch her and you go, okay, she's, she, you know, she's got shit to deal with. <laughs> she's you, selling it. You look at she's selling now, it. It's hard to watch it and not know that, you know, a year later she's going to be America's Sweetheart with Friends. Mm -hmm. But I, I have to think if I did watch this when it came out, that there is something about it that you'd say, oh, she's good. The rest of it is shit, sure. but she, yeah. she's doing okay. Yeah. My favorite part, though, is by the end, 
she's she's got a line towards the end. She just goes, what the fuck is going on? Just give him his gold. And to me, that was Aniston just being like, oh my God, I'm sick of this fucking film. Just let me get out so I can audition for pilot season. You know, and maybe there was just a sense of let's just get this over with. Do people still talk about Leprechaun to you? Absolutely. Is that, it's, it's, it's love funny to how bring that like, one up. popped out. Yeah. Well, who it, it kind of had legs. Yes, it did. For such a little guy. You guys, I don't disagree that it's un. I, I, I disagree with you that it's unfunny. I think there are funny. There is funny stuff in this. It's not witty. You're right. You're right on the money when you say it's not yeah. witty. It's not clever. They, mm -hmm. You know, the, the, they're not skilled enough to take it to that level. And maybe the sequels do. I have no idea. But I was laughing 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 throughout this whole thing you guys and i, I think it's just would, the absurdity but... of it the stupidity i mean yes he kills a guy with a pogo stick he replaces his own eye with another person's eye but <laughs> holy fuck when he gets pulled over in that toy car <laughs> you guys oh the way he kills the cop he wraps his stripe, striped legs around his <laughs> his little tiny, those little tiny chicken legs yeah. around his neck, which have red and white striped socks on them. That's hilarious. <laughs> that was hilarious to me. What's it? Oh, my God. Your description is funnier. Here's the only thing that would have saved the movie for me. And I was hoping, and there was a point towards the end when I said, oh, my, oh my God, they're not going to do this, are they? The big guy, Francis, right? right? The whole thing is yeah. he wants his gold back. At one point, they find Francis and the kid. They find that the kid was pretty funny, actually. He had some funny lines that they were yeah, playing. He and that he's job. like a kid, but he's the smartest of all of them. He, yeah, he's he's passable. He, it's like, we'll take you to the hospital, fix your brain. He's that's right, yeah. kid. Yeah, let's but not Francis. buy comic books. We'll take it. We'll get an operation for your brain. <laughs> so and he's like, oh, so you can think better. This is golden, right? This is like a fourth grader wrote it. It was like, just yes. just put a fourth grader down and say, like, just start writing. And you're not allowed to leave or have food or sleep until you write a screenplay. I love They're trying that to get a little it. pathos. But what I was hoping and I really thought was going to happen at one point. So what Francis, so he, so Francis, his name isn't Francis. What's his name in the <laughs> Francis from Pee Wee Herman? Is it Ozzy? Ozzy is his name. Ozzie. In they find the bag of gold, and Ozzy, because they're chewing on the gold to see if it's real, <laughs> it's real. swallows a piece of gold. Right, so right. that's the whole thing. When when the leprechaun finally gets his gold back, he's counting, and he's like, 98, 99, and he realized <laughs> that he's missing a piece of gold. And there's a line where he's like, it's in your stomach. And I thought for sure, I said, oh, God, please, please yeah. let Ozzy shit the piece of gold out <laughs> on the leprechaun, Fred, and that's what kills him. Fred, that he's I, killed in a mound of Aussie shit. Fred, Fred, I thought worse than that. I thought Warwick Davis was going to go up his hoo-ha to get it. <laughs> I thought he was going to climb in there or reach in there or teleport inside of his well, colon. originally I thought that was going to happen, but at some point in the movie it became very clear that this these Four characters, except for the dad who just disappears like halfway through the He goes to the hospital, you never see him again. Yeah, which is fine because he's terrible. I and mean, you're right, Jason. He looks like a porn actor. He seems like he's a porn. It's like I, it's very uncomfortable. You're like, are yeah. you going to start trying to fuck your daughter in this next scene? Because it seems like that's what you're there for. And it's all you know how to do from your last 10 jobs. Yeah, but please weird. don't try to fuck your daughter in but this. They make it very clear at some point that. This isn't going to be a typical horror movie where one by one they're picked off. They're like, right. this is the crew. They're going to make it through the end. Because yeah. I thought that too. I thought, oh shit, the leprechaun's going to, like, I thought he was just going to tear into his stomach. I thought it was going to be an actual, like, gory, gross out. Yeah. 
you know, cover a Fangoria horror movie, you yeah, know, with sort of like a, a child's play Chucky humor to it. And it was, it was nothing. It was nothing, but God, I wanted him to shit that piece of gold out. <laughs> that would have been amazing. That would have been metaphorical for the entire movie. It was like if you, if you had a bunch of like, I don't even want to say monkeys in a room because the monkeys, are, monkeys are smart. You, you say, like, all right, here's the problem. There's gold in that man's stomach. Now you get it. You're a, an, a vicious little murderer. Go, go get it. What would you do? What would you do? What would you do? You'd get something sharp and you disembowel the guy. Right, it, right. But it was like. It was like a, like asking a fish to figure. I mean, it was like it, it, he's got almost no dexterity. He like took he took a buckle and he started hitting him in the face with a buckle. It's like how are you going to get your gold that way? There's gold in his stomach. You're taking a buckle off of a shoe and and slicing at the guy's. Fa- how is that going to get your gold? Listen, this movie, <laughs> this baby. This, this movie and this baby, Warwick Davis. If it weren't for Warwick Davis's accent, I would. This would be a high Sheila movie for me, because I had a fucking blast watching this thing. It, the ending's terrible. The ending is a non-ending. Like it's just like cops show up, credits. Like they don't act. There's no denouement of any yeah. kind. You just like no you see a fire and you hear a voiceover. A it voice was a non-beginning, a non-middle, and a non-ending. <laughs> yes, no, I, I agree, disagree. Fred. How many, how many shill is? I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was fun. I'm going to go 6.5 gentlemen. <laughs> Six. And You're fucking one. crazy. I had so much fun. I was just chuckling. Taylor was, came in. She was like, what are you laughing at? I was like, I... I'm telling you, this movie is making me chuckle. Like every every five minutes, I had a significant like chuckle and or belly laugh at how ridiculous this thing is. And yes, I'm laughing at it as well as laughing with it. But I can't deny it was fun. Oh, I give it a look two. At Jason's face. Jason looks like I just told him. I like he's looking at me like, are we? Is this the end of all of us? <laughs> it feels this, like it a little. It really does. But I'm sorry. Um, I'm not as enthusiastic as I was about a Super Mario. I think that movie is a, is a gem of its time. This is not. However, also I 1993. 1993 oh was God. your year for horrible movies. Um, so you say two, Fred? I'm going to give it a two. Yeah, I really, I wanted it. I wanted. I like I said, I really wanted to start off this episode being like, oddly enough, Leprechaun, the best movie of the week. But well, I was know, kind it's, of excited. It's terrible. I was kind of excited. I, I made a note about halfway through and, and said two Sheilas so far. And then by the end, the, now my notes say it says two Sheilas so far dash. Nope. Dash one. <laughs> so it's, it's one. Sheila. It dropped to one. Sheila. Over the course of it, it just got worse and worse. And yeah, one Sheila for me. For Jennifer. And oh, it's all for Jen. It's all for Jen. It's all for Jen Aniston. Who handled the cane better, Warwick Davis or Charlie Chaplin? <laughs> if this movie were silent, it would have been better. Well, there's no, there's no doubt about that. And he, and he killed almost as many people with a buckle. Um, <laughs> and by buckle, you mean bad accent. <laughs> oh, but he really, uh, the age makeup was great. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> Chaplin. Overnight, he had Hollywood in his hands. Damn you, Chaplin, what are you trying to do to me? <laughs> and the world at his feet. The whole world knows about you, Charlie. 
Let me direct next one. But behind the screen... Charlie! ...were the women who wanted him. Is this what you want? Did you lose your other wives this way? The scandal that surrounded him. Don't believe everything you read in the papers. Why not? And the passions... Still waiting for that other shot, Sid! ...that inspired him. A lavish and methodical recreation of the comic genius's life, Chaplin follows its subject from his humble beginnings in South London, through his early days in British vaudeville, his silent movie career in America, and his latter-day masterpieces. The film also focuses on the legendary actor's turbulent personal life, which saw him marry multiple times, engaging almost exclusively with very young and often underage women. Richard Attenborough's biopic stars Oscar nominee Robert Downey Jr. in the title role and features impressive turns from Kevin Kline as Douglas Fairbanks and Geraldine Chaplin, Charlie's real-life daughter, as Chaplin's mentally unsound mother. The film earned only a million dollars more than Leprechaun at the worldwide box office, taking in $9.5 million when all was said and done. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of Chaplin? I remember seeing this in the theaters. I think I saw it when it first came out and I found it fairly lackluster and rewatching it. I found it so joyless and <laughs> dead and expository and weighted down by its own self-importance. And, uh, but I loved it. It was amazing. No, I, I, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a drudge of a movie. I really, it was upsetting to me because, you know, because Robert Downey Jr. is so fantastic and he does a good job. And I was I was half kidding about his accent. It's not the greatest, but it's not awful. It's just weird. I, I can never really place where it is. Well, it uh, changes. It, it changes. Yeah. And they, they play. And I think that that's later. on purpose that it changes. <clears> I, I think so. But it just wasn't good enough in the beginning when he was doing sort of the, the, the stronger Cockney. But yeah. uh, I, I just it, it wasn't fun to me at all. I hated, yeah. I hated, hated the conceit of the whole thing with Anthony Hopkins mm. about the autobiography. I thought it was the laziest form of filmmaking, of telling a story ever. Because he'd be like, well, you know, you're writing this book, Charlie, so tell me about the time when you married so-and-so. Oh, I don't want to talk about that, but but I shall. And then they talk about <laughs> it. Oh, now, <laughs> now, I think that there's a time yeah, in your life terrible. when you made a movie. Can you tell me about that? <laughs> I don't like to talk about it, but I'll tell you about it. And then they, I just thought it was a really lazy way of getting the points out. Uh, and what a waste it, of Anthony fucking Hopkins. Yeah, Why he is he there? There. Everything is sort of done in half measures. Yeah. And because they're trying to get so much in. They're trying to like really tick off every box of, of his biography, yeah. you know. And and literally, I mean that's and that's what Anthony Hopkins is doing. You see him ticking off yeah. things on that list. Like, <laughs> yes, let's talk about this. Right? Let's true. talk Literal. about this. Let's talk about this. I mean, You're there's shots right. of Anthony Hopkins just crossing things out. All right, we come to that. Right. Now, let's go to this. We and I thought, Jesus Christ, yeah. that's the best you could do, Sir Richard Attenborough. Get back to Jurassic Park. Ah. That, that was actually Attenborough's list. Somebody got some behind-the-scenes footage of him being like, got that scene, got that scene. This was a slog. This was a slog, as it is. You know what I mean? Like, it it had, like, moments of inspiration, and some of the recreations... I mean, Robert Downey Jr. is fucking fantastic. That is not he's great. easy. What he's doing 
what he does there is right. amazing yeah. in certain moments when he evokes Chaplin and recreates some of those bits. Mm-hmm. And and the whole cast is, too, and the choreography of some of those things when he comes on set. And it's like, you know, I mean, I think it's it's horse shit to be like Max Sennett being like, well, just uh, keep the camera rolling. Uh, he'll <laughs> yeah. do something. It's like, really? That wasn't uh, there was not, nothing orchestrated about that. But whatever. But still, the effect of like watching it, it's like, oh, that's, you know, well choreographed stuff. This and that. Yeah. But yeah, but that's. That's kind of that's kind of it. <laughs> and I did like, I, like I said in the intro, I I liked Kevin Klein. I liked the Douglas Fairbanks character. I liked. I thought his daughter Geraldine, the real life daughter, did a you know was was very good as as his mother. I didn't. I I said thought the same thing, Fred. It's it's pretty joyless for something that's about this great film comedian. I rarely laughed. Sometimes I was tickled by just letting him do his thing and just recreate those beats or, or moments. Um, but yeah. other than that, it was pretty dour. Dan, you look like just us talking about the movie is making you fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> no, the 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 first probably half, probably more like two thirds. Uh, I'm sitting there going, what's this movie doing? What is this movie doing and what does it think it's doing and what does it want to be doing? And then in the last third, it it does kind of stick the landing. I have to say it did move me. It did get me. And I went, okay, he's fighting systems. He's fighting against this system that is calling him a communist, even though he's fighting fascism by making the great dictator. He's fighting J. Edgar Hoover, who's kicking him out of the country. And then he's, you know, wondering and hoping and wishing, I guess, that he'll be accepted again. And then, of course, he is and he's lauded and heralded with the Lifetime, you know, Achievement Award by the uh, by the Academy. And that's the smartest move that the movie makes is at the end. I go, OK, good, Richard Attenborough. You didn't make the massive, huge mistake that you could have made with this movie, which is. um showing Robert Downey Jr. doing the big um, set piece stuff from the gold rush, like the, the yeah. house teetering. He didn't, you didn't show him doing the stuff from modern times. You didn't show him making those iconic movies. Instead, you showed us the montage at the end of actual Charlie Chaplin, which, which is the reason it stuck the landing for me is because I went, okay, that's the message of this movie is that this man made us smile. Now go watch his movies even though his heart was breaking for a long time, now go and watch his movies because that's the real gift. This movie is not, is, this mm. movie's the table setter for go and experience the gift that this man was and that his movie was. But the first two thirds of this thing, the, the, the only good, the only good, uh, joyful, you're right, joyful takeaways are when he's doing his drunk bit in vaudeville mm-hmm. and when he's in the Max Senate movie with Marissa Tomei running around. I forgot that that was J. Edgar Hoover at the table. I, I didn't, mm. that story, that's interesting. I would love to see just a movie. Yeah, a real movie that takes you know that that uh, that is about. I say real movie because this did feel like it was just it literally paint by numbers. You know, yeah, it's a um, travelogue of moments. Exactly, yeah. uh, but a movie that just takes that section of his life and that kind of battle between him and Hoover and the creation of the great dictator, and then yep. maybe the the fact him being exiled. You know, and and then has a, a coda of him being accepted back into America and winning that Oscar. That section. Now, it's not that I thought that section of this movie was necessarily the best stuff. Mm. I, parts of it were. I yeah. wrote down after the great dictator. 
the movie becomes like really kind of a crashing bore for me. Uh, the, oh, the rest really? of it, whatever's left. Yeah, well, because uh, yeah, it didn't really, it didn't really engage me at that point. Because then a lot of it, it's it's him older. It's him with the bad makeup. I was like, boy, what is that Dick Tracy mouth he's got going on? And then in the credits, <laughs> in the credits. The makeup artist was the guy who did Dick Tracy two years no, before. Really? Are you kidding me, John Jason? Caglione is the makeup wow. artist who did all the makeup designs for Dick Tracy. And I'm like, that makes a lot of sense because he wow. had like, he had like, I've got you know, fish mouth here or whatever. I mean, he looked, it was terrible makeup. Whenever, and it was like, it was like they were like, let's see how more, how far we can go with just white shoe polish until we have to put a leather bag on his face and then we'll do the rest of it with a leather bag on his face i was like great that sounds good yeah it was terrible terrible makeup um i was vaguely disappointed that what they showed were clips of the actual charlie chaplin they were wonderful and they made me realize what a brilliant actor the real charlie chaplin was those those bits from the kid are so heartbreaking he's a brilliant actor he's not just a comedian he's a brilliant actor right so i'm grateful to have those in the movie to see them because you're right maybe i would watch this and be like oh yeah i saw the thing about chaplin and not have gotten that taste of the actual work but by the same token it just felt weird to have the end. It's a two and a half hour movie. And the end of the movie is Robert Downey Jr. in the dark in a leather bag. And then like footage <laughs> of all the better movies with the actual actor. I thought it was weird. I thought it was a little weird to not show him in those. Things. You know what? I liked seeing the actual clips. And I thought yeah. it was also a testament to Robert Downey Jr.'s performance because you watch the actual clips and you're not like, wow, it's so different. You don't see the difference. I mean, like mm. like we were saying before, Robert Downey Jr.'s, what he does is physicality. I mean, he gets it. He's and great. it was so on the mark. So when I did see those clips, it didn't take me out. I just And it took me a second. I thought, wait, is that the real? Oh, no, that is the real Chaplin. And I thought that was cool. And, I, mm. and again, so that to me was almost like a, a nod to, to, to Downey from Attenborough being like, I trust your performance so much that we can show the real chaplain. Yes, right. However, I, it just, there was no payoff because I wanted to know, I wanted mm. to know more about why he made those movies. It would have been more interesting to me to see little pit, bits of his life, like the great dictator. Yes, you get that. You know, you understand why he did that for moments in his life. Uh, it would have had more of an impact and it would, it would have, look, I still want to go and watch the Chaplin movies, uh, but not because of this movie necessarily. Right. There are four or five different movies in this that you could make. You could make a movie about his development as an artist. You could make a movie about his, the heart of his career. You could make a movie about the personal life. Like, Oh, this great actor who's got this thing for very young women yeah. I mean, statutory rape gets thrown around a lot like this. I mean, yeah. he's he, like underage or just barely legal women. Did you understand the Mila Jovovich thing? Did she fake a pregnancy or did she get pregnant and it wasn't his or did she tell him he was pregnant? And then what? 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 I did not understand what happened there. She faked it. And you know how we know? Because someone said, oh, Charlie, we all know she faked it. She got you. That was strange. To yeah. me as well. A pregnancy in order to do what? Uh, to to entrap him to get all his money. Yes. Okay. But how do you fake a prank? Like, did she wear a basketball under her shirt? I mean, what? How? What did she? They, they didn't I show anything. They didn't show anything else. about anybody. Because they very, just moved on to the next one. That's a big problematic <sighs> and and fascinating part of his life that doesn't get explained. Again, it's just ticking off boxes. And, and you know, this movie. This is a weird comparison. 
I don't know why I'm going here, but Leprechaun? it oh. uh, well close because it stars Warwick <laughs> Davis as well. The first Harry Potter movie, like the first Harry Potter is a pain in the ass because it's a it's this big book. And the guy's like, I've got to film every page of this book. Chris Columbus was like, I can't leave out this. I can't leave out that. The fans will miss this. It's the shortest book in the series, but it's the longest movie by far. And it's because Jesus. and it, 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 you know, it's cute and it has a lot of great moments and the casting's wonderful. And he what he did set the table for seven or whatever it is seven or eight really fantastic movies overall in total but the first one is a slog because it's like i have to do everything because people are expecting everything and that's what it felt like with this it's that well, if we're gonna make a movie about chaplin we have to do every little thing about chaplin so we can't have any insight into almost any of it and we can't show you too much background and we can't make too many creative or artistic decisions it's just as we've said it's just ticking off boxes did you get the eggs the bread the milk it's a grocery list and it is the the sum total effect is it is deadening it is just it's like lead on your chest it's like a clover it's like a four-leaf clover sitting upon upon my chest good segue and now leprechaun what did you guys think let's talk more about leprechaun did you like leprechaun better than chaplin is the big question yeah, because at least there Yay! was good acting. There was more. No, I liked. Sorry, no, I like I'm Chaplin wrong. I like Chaplin more. better. No. Yeah, because at least there was no. some good acting in <gasps> Chaplin. I'll tell you that he's good. You know, um, uh, Dick Tracy makeup aside, <laughs> I thought it was Dame Edna at the end. Are you sure it wasn't? <laughs> <laughs> he was Dick, good as the old Chaplin. That's what I was just gonna say. He's really good, especially yeah. in that last couple of scenes. You know, where he's like, oh, I just wanted to give people a laugh. You know what I mean? Yes, uh, tell me, um, when did you actually start to work on The Great Dictator? 38. 38. Mm. And everyone thought you were crazy then, and then when the Second World War broke out, you became a genius overnight. Mm-hmm. Well, not to those who thought I was a communist. It wants to be important. It wants to feel important. It's just, it's exhausting. And then and then they go, <laughs> and then the then the movie ends, and it's like, and now we're going to do again. more biography. We're going to tell you, we've got four or five title cards about uh, what happened to Chaplin after this. It's like, Jesus Christ, didn't he just die? He's a hundred. And then it's like, and then, and then this person and what they died of and this person and who still lives in Los Angeles and who bought a car Thursday and who, and then the most egregious one, the most egregious one and Sir Anthony Hopkins as a made up person. It's like, this person was not real. We made this person up. For the movie, because we thought it would be easier for you to understand. He still lives in Northern California with his wife and three children. I was like, this is the stupidest fucking thing ever. And yet, here I am looking at a rating of five Sheilas in front of me. How can I give it five? Wow. How can I give it five Sheilas? Wow. Because of I'm Robert Downey it. Jr. Really? Mm. That's what I'm giving it five on the money. I'm going to give it a. Th- uh, uh, uh. Three and a half. Really? It's a movie that I I, I just would I wouldn't want to watch again. No, it's boring to no, me. I wouldn't want to watch it again either. Yeah. But I did think it made, but it made me want to, made me excited for eventually when somebody makes the movie about the section yeah. of Charlie Chaplin's life that I'm interested in and would like to see in more detail. <laughs> The great yeah, dictator I, stuff is fascinating because that's like, yes. that's like if like, who's the biggest movie star in the world right now? If if, if the rock or somebody was like, I'm going to, you know, on the ramp up to the election was like, 
I don't like this fucking Donald Trump guy. I'm going to make a whole movie where I'm ta- I'm taking the piss out of Donald Trump. You know, I, I don't know. Or whatever, whoever it might be. There's something about that. That's like very bold and interesting. And I, I love that. I loved that Absolutely. part of the movie. Absolutely. That's what the movie should have been about. Sh- I know this man. I'm born the same here. Four days apart. He's like me, capable of anything. Nobody wants to see a film about Adolf fucking Hitler. I do. Ah, yeah. yeah. You know, I'll go to I'll go to a four. I'll give you a yeah. four, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah. I can't. I can't. I can't go higher than that. Chaplin. Prado, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, uh. you got any? How's your sack feeling tonight, Prado? <laughs> My sack's okay. My sack's okay. You know, it's it's a 2021 sack. It still feels like a leprechaun was jumping on it with a pogo stick just because of everything. Um, so it feels good. In other words, it, it feels pretty good. It feels pretty good. You know, I, I I got something. I got a letter, and I I, I don't want to say who it's from because there's some personal stuff in it, and you know, I I, I don't know. Uh, I don't want to say on the air, but but it, 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 it was um. It made me feel good about what we're doing, but it's, um, so we got a little letter saying, uh, you guys, the, the three of you have been a bomb and a, and a salve during a shit show of a year. Uh, I lost my aunt and uncle to a combination of cancer and COVID and my 47 year old cousin to cancer all between April and June. Mm. My mother was also hospitalized with COVID. Um, and you know, a lot of rough stuff was going on, uh, he writes about, but, uh, thankfully things turned out okay. Um, he was saying, and so hearing your, you guys' voices, knowing you as I do, your humor, your grace, your intelligent reviews, your walks down memory lane have been wonderful, wonderful for me. It really means a lot um, with love and thanks. Good wishes for 2021. And uh, that's lovely. I just thought it was nice because, and, and in my response, I was also saying, you know, not to get mushy, but I think doing this has, has been a salve, salve? Yes. Right? Yeah. Salve. Salve. Yes. Salve for us as well. It's nice to to be able to do this every week and and see you guys and sort of take a break from the 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 craziness. So I always feel that it's nice to know that that other people yeah. are feeling that as well in in these tough times. That you know, glad glad that we're making people feel good yeah. as much as we can. So absolutely. And thank you for for writing in again. Yeah, it's you know you. I don't I don't want to give away any names Thanks. or anything because there's some personal stuff there, but I'll tell you the name <laughs> is no. The name <gasps> is cease and desist. No, I'm just kidding. The, the, the thing I find that's sort of a salve and a bomb for things is the anticipation of like knowing like, Oh, in three days, I'm going to see the guys. Oh, in two days, yeah. I'm going to see them. You know, yeah. like that's nice is, is like, uh, cause we didn't prior to COVID, we didn't have like regularly scheduled, you know, we'd talk when we talk phone and Facebook, FaceTime, yeah. this and that phone catch up. But, but you know, and it was, and it was sometimes um, long stretches, but this has been so nice knowing that like, Hey, uh, every, you know, whenever we record, whenever we decide to record every week, every week, once a week, we're going to hang out. <laughs> and it's yeah. been so nice to know yeah. that. Yeah. And it's cool. And it's nice that we get to do that. And it's nice to think that other people by proxy are sort of hanging out with us as that, well. That, yeah. That's what I well, mean. Well, that's yeah. what I always thought when we were coming up with the idea for this, I always thought that's the, 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 my favorite kind of podcasts or radio shows or like hangs, you know, like these kind of, these kind of things, uh, even on like YouTube channels that I watch and stuff. I, I just enjoy the interaction the the interplay between people who seem like 
either old friends or just people who are really on the the same page with each other and have a shared history mm. and 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 just can make each other laugh. That's the most fun to me. I've always I've always loved that. You know, listening to we've brought him up on the show before, H- Howard Stern's show, and but but a lot mm-hmm. of a, a, a lot of things. There's the one that you love, Dan, that you turned me on to, um, Thought Spiral. I love with, Thought uh, Spiral, a- a- Andy Kindler, and I forget Andy the other comedians. Weinstein. I just yeah. it's just them. Yeah, they just like they just riff and talk and have a conversation sometimes for for a few hours. Some of the episodes are super long and just shooting the shit. And it's just so there's something very enjoy. I I find as an audience member, something enjoyable about that. And I've been listening to our, I went back to the beginning a few weeks ago and started with the star Wars episode. And I'm up to like episode (laughs) 12 or 13 now. And I've been just going through and just listening to all of our old ones. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, we're over 30 episodes in now. That's really cool. And I'm like, I know I'm starting to forget some things and I'm going back (laughs) and I'm, I'm listening and it's, and it's really a joy. And it's and I've had the same thought, Fred, as I was listening to it. I think last night I was listening to someone. I thought it's kind of remarkable that in that this really stressful, painful, frightening, exhausting year that we've just lived through and are still living through, even though it's 2021, mm-hmm. that there's so much joy and so much fun and so much laughter captured uh, among the three of us, uh, in via this podcast. And I'm just very, yeah, I'm very grateful for it and, and proud of it. And it makes me happy. Aww. Thank you everyone for listening and Aww. joining us in our, in our mirth and merriment. I also got, actually, I should, I should bring this up. Uh, our, our old pal Damon wrote in about, uh, we were oh, talking Jesus, about, here we go. <laughs> something he didn't like and how we're yeah. bad at what we do and how it's yeah, not no. fun to listen to. And it reminds <laughs> him of COVID. <laughs> that's pretty much it so thank you on to your sack Dan. no 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 <laughs> no he was mentioning you know that we were talking about all the places in the 70s where you could smoke and he said i was actually shocked that you guys didn't bring up the fact that you could also smoke in a movie theater oh. could you i don't remember that actually i don't he seemed that. to remember that he would he would go see movies and like there would be you know a section where wafts of smoke would be coming up that's I, so I interesting. I, I don't it, recall. It would make that. sense to me. Why would like why of oh, all why places? Why would that be the one place? Yeah. 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 Right. Right. I mean, you see it in old time movies of like people going to the movies and you see that. Um, but yeah, I don't recall that, but probably because uh, maybe it was about to be on the way out and I just don't remember it because it was so rare by that time. But that's interesting. Or maybe it was because it was kids' movies and no one would be lighting up in like a, the Muppet movie or something. Oh, like maybe that. you're right. You yeah. know, but I, I just don't remember that. Uh, do you guys? No, I, I don't. don't, but I can't, I, I can't imagine it. that it didn't happen. It may have been because of different, did he grow up in a different state? I don't know where he grew no, up. He maybe from had, Long Island. Oh, 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 oh yeah. okay. Well, but I think you're right, Dan. I think it was the fact that, you know, just by virtue of the movies we were going to that may have been at it. that age, that maybe. Yeah. If we know. were going to see Magnum Force at that age, it would have been, you know, cloud of smoke right. and you don't remember anyway because when your parents took you to that you were still swaddled up well so. thank god thank god i was because how yeah. would i have been able to comprehend the death of david's soul well, that would have been the death of my soul <laughs> um speaking of cigarette smoke and other things that are no good for you in the 70s um i was as as i was as i was editing last week's podcast the the yes. exorcist sting magnum force podcast and i was looking for clips from the movies and stuff i actually saw something because you raised this point fred in in our discussion i just wanted to mention this today because i was like oh wow um 
you were talking about there was kind of, which I was not aware of, some sort of scandal or kerfuffle about the fact that Linda Blair was solely nominated for the performance and and the actress yeah. who did the voice wasn't. And I remember I was very like, ah, oh, well, you know, big deal, you know, whatever, the voice actress, you know, so somebody just went, yeah, I'm the devil, uh, you know, big deal. <laughs> and as I was looking for clips of The Exorcist, um, a, a little mini documentary came up on YouTube. It was like a 10 or 15 minute video. And I watched it and it was all about the actress who did the voice, Mercedes McCambridge, who was a right. major film actress. She was in yeah. Giant and All the King's Men. And she was, and, you know, I don't know what age she was, maybe in her oh 60s or something when she did Exorcist. But she was also had been a big radio actress and voiceover artist. And Orson Welles is on record as having said that she was the greatest actress of the radio era and just wow. that she was an, an amazing voice actress. And they hired her to wow. do this. And, you know, I don't know that you can say like, OK, that the voiceover is more deserving of the Oscar nod than Linda Blair or whatever. I, or, I, I'm not arguing that, but apparently she went through like hell and back to do to, to give the performance. She was like, OK, if I'm going to do this, she was a very religious person. And she was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to have to go to some really dark places and I'm going to need a certain amount of support and uh and i'm oh, gonna have to wow. do things to myself and my body i know what i need to achieve this voice she yeah, was now she would drink she had like this weird elixir that she would drink she was like, an alcoholic who started oh. drinking alcohol again to do she was like i'm going to like come on go off the wagon to do this performance no. and she had was had been a smoker who was like and now i'm going to smoke however many packs a day <gasps> to get my voice back i mean she was oh my you God. know like actually her, I'm not saying this is admirable or that we're always, or not, I'm not, yeah, I'm not advocating for this, but she did go to great length. Like she put her health and said, I'm going to put my health at jeopardy for a period of time to do this, to get the, to, to go to the places mentally that I need to do and physically that I need to, to, uh, to get this voice down. And then, and then they're playing wow. clips of the movie as the end into end interviews with her and Friedkin. And I was like, I just gained another level of appreciation for that woman mm. and, and the performance, not so much saying like, boy that's cool what she did you know no but they played almost <laughs> all of her little moments you know as regan's voice throughout yeah. this little video and I, it was kind of like a refresher even though i had just seen the movie that made me really appreciate it in another way so oh, i just want to say so mercedes so, McCambridge, so, you're, pretty, so you're gonna take back that dismissive attitude that you threw my way yeah, i way still don't think i don't think you i don't think you're given <laughs> i don't think you give an oscar for somebody like dubbing no, over somebody's I voice i didn't think but, so either yeah i, I yeah, agree because with you what, I just Linda, that was, what that teenage girl is doing is still like brilliant but yes you're right it is a it's a it's it's hand in hand it's two people making that that part of the performance work. Wow. I want to watch that Mercedes McCambridge thing now. That sounds amazing. You know, I have to wonder with all the smoking and the drinking and whatever else was going on, I have to wonder what the scent of that woman was like <laughs> as she was working on The Exorcist. Oh, no, we got a I'll tell you, whatever that woman did to her voice, I think Pacino did the same exact thing to his, <laughs> his voice over the decades. Yeah. My God. Hoo-wah. Oh, God. He says hoo-wah so many times. It was like the Wookiee language at one point. It started to be like, I guess this is just how he talks now. There's a scene where his response to four different lines is hoo-wah. <laughs> but, but wait, we're getting ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> It's the scent of a woman. What do you want here? I want, I want a job. A job. I promise you an easy 300 bucks. 
I don't get an easy feeling. How's your skin, son? I like my age to be presentable. Well, I... I've had a few zits. Um, but my roommate, he loved me his clinic because he's from Chestnut Hill, and he's got... The History of My Skin by Charles Sims. Get out my dress blues. They're in a garment bag in the closet. Are, are we going someplace, Curtis? What business is that of yours? Don't shrug, imbecile. I'm blind. I don't know whether they shoot you or adopt you. It's not much of a choice, is it, sir? Al Pacino. Chris O'Donnell. Scent of a Woman. What a marvelous place. Charlie Sims, played by Chris O'Donnell, is a prep school student attending the Baird School. Yearning for cash so he can return to his family in Oregon for Christmas break, the innocent Sims accepts a job babysitting at a nearby household. The job is not at all what he expects, however, as Charlie is commissioned to watch over the blunt, blind, and exceedingly unlikable ex-colonel Frank Slade, played by Al Pacino. A quiet weekend in New Hampshire soon becomes an eventful trip to New York City, where the ex-military man has several agendas of his own. The film, directed by Midnight Run's Martin Brest, was a Best Picture contender and earned the oft-nominated Al Pacino his first, and to date, only Academy Award. The film is also noteworthy for featuring a young and mesmerizing Philip Seymour Hoffman, billed here as Philip S. Hoffman, in a pivotal supporting role as one of Charlie's classmates. The movie was a major hit, earning $63 million domestically and $134 million worldwide. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of Scent of a Woman? I love this fucking movie. I love this movie. I love Pacino in it. I love O'Donnell in it. I like the rest of the cast. I th- I love the little kids in it. I think they're mm-hmm. fantastic. James Rebhorn, the late great, is yeah, so fucking good great. as the as the headmaster. Um, you know the guy who plays the limo driver, the guy who plays the yes. Ferrari guy. Like this is a top to wall to wall. The Ferrari guy you know? was great. He's terrific. He's, He's so really good. good. Yeah. Gabriel that great Anwar, ghost scene the, is wonderful. Yeah. Oh, that's a yeah. wonderful scene. It's I love that scene. scene. Gabrielle Anwar as the as the the young woman Donna who he who he tangos with in the in mm-hmm. the restaurant. Um, you know all the little parts in it. The the I love this script um it just moves like gangbusters for me i it, like scene after scene i'm like oh yeah this scene now oh right now this oh right now this i just i i do love this story i don't think as was widely i guess thought at the time maybe among even our group at hofstra certainly among you know a few years later when i went to grad school among um groups of people there that this whole movie is overplayed by Pacino and it's too big and it's too blo- too much bluster and bladder and it's too boisterous and it's too big for the screen and all that. I don't believe any of that. I think he's fucking fantastic in it. And I think he's just the right size and scope for what this character is. I think everything's a fucking choice. I, I saw it two th- multiple times because I wrote up uh, because I wanted to see it immediately um, because of, I love uh-huh. Pacino. And then I saw it multiple times because I had to write a paper about one of the, I was in a film class with, uh, at Hofstra with Sybil Delgadio was the professor. And, uh, and, and the assignment was you had to pick one of the five best picture contenders and do a very, an in-depth analysis as a a term paper. And so I went and I saw this movie three or four times just to study it and take notes about it after Mm -hmm. I had already seen it once just for pleasure. I just remember going to see it. And I remember, very clearly. I mean, you mentioned in the beginning, but I remember seeing it with a bunch of friends walking out 
and feeling a little let down by it. Hmm. One of the reasons why was because a couple months earlier, Glenn Gary Glenn Ross came out. Right. And to this day, I still think he should have won. He was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for that. Correct. I think he should have won for that. I'm going to tell you something. Your life is your own. You have a contract with your wife. You have certain things you do jointly. You have a bond there. And there are other things. And those things are yours. And you needn't feel ashamed. You needn't feel that you're being untrue or that she would abandon you if she knew. This is your life. His best performance that year was Glenn Gary. To me, that performance towers over this one. Interesting. And I remember that was one thing. So I was a little disappointed there. But I also it doesn't remember have so the vividly... same scope, though, Fred. It's not that. No, it's it, a very, it's... very different movie. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just liked what he did better. I just like what he did in Glenn Gary better. It was more. It was more interesting to me. It was more surprising. Mm. Um, but again, but it's almost never. Ne- it's almost never for the. You know, it's it's more like how can this man not have best actor? On his shelf. That's what I think it was. Yeah, that's exactly what I think it was. Uh, But I also remember coming out of the theater and being in the lobby and people talking about it. And I remember saying right off the bat saying, you know, the best person in that goddamn movie was that weird chubby kid who plays his friend i'm like i don't know who the fuck that guy is but he's amazing it's the best performance in the movie as much as i love al pacino and chris o'donnell he's mesmerizing absolutely that's the word and i remember thinking that when i saw it on the big screen just thinking who is that kid what is he doing He's he blew me away, and and in in the 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 rewatch that I did today, and 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 in the past, I think the same thing. I'm like, I'd I'd much rather watch a movie about him, that character. Um, Interesting. I, I wouldn't go that I, far, but I did say I had a note here. It, it was another level of acting because I remember how I felt when I watched it. Then, as a student of acting in college. I just remember thinking that this was that I'd never seen anything quite like this before from a young actor. There's a moment where he's doing something where he's like, where he covers he's his mouth. Him, he's covering his mouth yes. and he's like rubbing his nose. And it's like, yeah. and I always remember I watched this movie so many times. I was like, his nose must have been running. And he's kind of like, it was like he was wiping <laughs> snot from his nose. And he's doing this weird thing, but it wasn't mannered. It wasn't, it was just yeah. so, so real and so lived in. And he was so that fucking kid. It was another level. I was fascinated by him. And I remember thinking he was all the more impressive because he did not have to be that good. None of the other kids was that like there's a standard thing that people do. I mean, I don't know. Not that those other guys are not good actors, but he was blowing almost everybody off the screen. And it was like, agreed. He's just like, it's just not what you normally see in a teen actor doing that kind of a part. I know he was the most pivotal of that group of guys because he's the he's the one trying to, you know, sure. the devil on the shoulder and all of that stuff. And but mm-hmm. it's still it's like they he's just so phenomenal. Like I say, it was blurry. Uh, I can't see without my contacts. <laughs> what did you see, Mr. Willis? <laughs> what? Oh, you mean definitively? Stop fencing with me, Mr. Willis. Tell me what you saw. Uh, now don't hold me to this, but uh, no contacts. It's dark. And everything, I mean... Mr. Willis! Maybe 
Harry Havemeyer, Trent Potter, and Jimmy Jameson. Maybe. Paul Park, best guess. It's so good. So. Oh, that moment when he's like, good. and he's like, all yes. right, all right, I get it. Yeah. It's a wordless moment where his dad's whispering in his ear. He's like, <laughs> like this. He's, he puts his hand up and it's like, enough. He's, it's he's, a brilliant moment. He's tortured. He's squirming in that moment. He is so, he yeah. is so uncomfortable. I wrote his, uh, Hoffman's squirming is delectable throughout that scene. You can tell he's like trying to do everything he can to not sell those guys out and satisfy what he's got. He was just, yeah. he was really really wonderful but i remember thinking the same thing like i went to see pacino and i thought this chris o'donnell kid is fantastic i thought he was yeah. so he was just so open and vulnerable and raw and simple and yeah. easy yes yeah, simple yeah he's and, and he's simple. never been as far as i can tell never been that not that i've seen that many of his movies where he's not wearing a cod piece next to val kilmer slash george clooney but you know i haven't seen that many chris o'donnell performances but i want a car Chicks dig the car. This might have been the winter break where I just rented all those movies and I'd go down to the basement <laughs> and I'd watch Scarecrow and Bobby Deerfield mm. and Panic in Needle Park and cruising, watch all those movies. Cruising and cruising. Cruising. I watched Cruising a again. lot. Oh boy, did I watch that <laughs> you one. You were obsessed with just that. Rewind, rewind, <laughs> rewind, <laughs> rewind. You were like, you got to see Cruising. And you showed it to me. I was like, I don't need to see Cruising. I don't think I need did to I see it. Did I make you watch Cruising? You did. Really? Anyway, oh, sorry. I apologize. I think, no, I'm just kidding. I don't anyway. know. Make is a strong word. You were like, let's watch cruising. And I was like, <laughs> sit in this okay. sling and oh, watch God. cruising, for God's oh, sakes. God. Now put this ball in your mouth. <laughs> it, you know, it's and hard. <laughs> it's oh, hard oh, watching oh. it now because, I, look, I still love Pacino. I still think what he does is, is great. And there's very little that I'll watch him in and think, eh, it's, it's too much. Because I appreciate what he does. I appreciate the leaps that he makes, the the the, the chances that he's going to that he's gonna take and go with it. But unfortunately, like like someone like Walken, he's sort of become a character of himself, a caricature mm -hmm. in that mm -hmm. sense. So when this movie started, the first scene, it was almost hard for me to watch now. Now, as the oh. movie goes on, it's earned. You know, you yeah. understand that that bombast is there for a reason. And again, I, I love him in Heat. He got a lot of shit in the movie Heat. You know, she's got a great ass and yeah, all the screaming. screaming and yelling. I liked it. I thought it was earned. I enjoyed it. I thought it, it was fun. He was taking, he was swinging for the fences. <laughs> so it, that bombast is definitely earned because as you go on, you realize that it's a front for stuff. And you see there's those moments. The, the first one that I saw, um, where he's talking about going to, to see his, his brother for Thanksgiving mm -hmm. and Chris O'Donnell says he can't go. And there's a little, a short moment where Pacino tries to get him to come and you see it's for just a flash. You see that this is a guy that doesn't want to be alone. Right. He, he wants yeah. someone with him. And I thought those seeing those cracks was really nice. What am I going to do? I got this Asian flower on the one hand, all giggly and dewy like and this hard-boiled Navy nurse out of Omaha on the other. Now, we're three across the bed, not a stitch of clothes on. It comes to me. Let East meet West, and we'll build a golden bridge. <laughs> Jason, I know you and I agree on this. One of our favorite movies of all time is Midnight Run, mm -hmm. and one of our favorite scenes in that movie is when he goes home to see his wife. That's a 
one of the most beautiful scenes in any movie. It's just, it's so played good. so well and not much is said, but it gives you enough to know what happened. Mm. And through the movie, you're getting these hints of what happened. We don't get that here. And so that's why that scene. You don't think so? No, there's no mention. He just, he just shows up. There's no mention of what, unless I missed it. The, the brother, there's the scene with the brother where he's like, you, you always had to bail me out of trouble. You always had to, you always had to look out for me and get right, me out of trouble. Right, that comes at the end. Stuff. Right. That comes at the end. So okay. when he shows up there, there's a sense that he's, he's not invited and that sure. obviously he's caused some havoc with the family. Mm-hmm. Right. I wanted to get a little bit more from his brother. I wanted to maybe not tell everything that happened. I don't know. It just, by I the time. I didn't need that, Fred. I got it all from the from their interactions and even I, the brother just coming out there and going like, you know, that look on his face. I thought he was great too. That He was. was yeah. Just like, oh God. You know what? I wanted go. it to I be. I can't kick him out, but it's going to be two hours of hell. I, I wanted to feel less sympathy for Pacino and I would have been fine with that. That was the moment where it really dawned to me, wow, that, oh God, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a bastard. He's a piece of shit. Yeah. And I wanted the movie to go further with that. Don't get me wrong. They definitely do that in the movie that he says he's made mistakes. He's fucked up. He's a piece of shit. He says that. Yeah, the thing he says to his brother on the way out is, I'm no fucking good and I never have been, right? I mean, he says yeah. that on he the way out the door. Deep self loathing, Fred. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. I but I know, know what you're saying. But I agree with you, Fred. That was the trickiest. That, that was even more. Tri- I love this movie, too. Uh, that was trickier for me than the the Ferrari driving around many, many <laughs> empty streets in Manhattan. I was like, boy, yeah. oh boy, you're pushing it a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, I remember in 93 going, okay, this has lost me for this five minutes. He's, <laughs> he's making turns. He's making turns. And, they, and the, you know, the cops' response is, I mean, the, the, the response to the leprechaun is more believable. The, the, you know, he's like, which cop was better? Is, Pacino is clearly blind. There's no way. I was like, I was trying to shake. I was like, is there? Okay, let me forget that he's blind. Does he sell it enough that he's not blind? I was like, no, he's staring straight. He's looking at everything but the guy. He turns it. Chris O'Donnell could turn his head towards him and and cock the chin up and still like not be make anywhere making eye contact. He's a clearly a blind man. Um, I love sorry. that actor though, Ron Eldar. Ron Eldar, he he's a wonderful actor. Yeah, he's good. Because he, he sold from? that. He's really good. He's from I Alaska. saw him do, uh, I saw Didn't him, I'm one of the only people, yeah, no, I, he might have done Stanley. I saw him do Terry in On the Waterfront. That's on what Broadway. I'm thinking of. I'm yeah. thinking of the I'm On the Waterfront. one of the few people who saw it because it closed after like five performances. Oh, wow. But he's Speaking in of a, me no, being uncomfortable with stars, I practically stalked that guy. Oh, I bet. Oh, no. I had cops and you said, have you seen Cruising yet? Have you seen Cruising <laughs> yet? Sir, have you seen Cruising? I have a copy here. VHS or DVD? <laughs> what do you have at your house? Well, let's go check it out. One that got away. There's the walk and talk on the street with Pacino and Chris O'Donnell. And who's an extra standing right behind Pacino? Our old catering captain, Richard Hawk. Unbelievable. <laughs> I was so excited. How I didn't did hear. You spot him for He's literally right over Pacino's shoulder. Unbelievable. Why yeah. are you, why, you really hated this movie because you're like watching <laughs> the background actors. You're like, I can't stand to watch Pacino. Let me see what's happening in the background. Oh my God, I know that person. No, you know what? I really, I, I was, I did not hear a word said in that scene because I was, I was like, oh, that's Richard. That's <laughs> uh, I, I didn't hate the movie. It just doesn't, it, it doesn't well, leave do me with you. much. I, I definitely don't love it as much as you guys. I like oh. Pacino in it. I, I think he's great in it. 
uh, again, maybe, and maybe this is unfair to say, I just always go back to Glenn Gary. Again, very, and also that's a testament very. to his greatness as an actor because what he does in Glenn Gary is so, in my opinion, is very different. It's a very different character. Well, I mean, there's shades of the same thing, Pacino. It's very yeah. different. What he does a couple of years later in Donnie Brasco, very different. What he, what he does, yeah. he, he, he was nominated two years before for Dick Tracy. He's brilliant yeah. in that. And that's also, wow. you know, that, I mean, he's, he's really, he's so good. I love this movie. I loved it then, loved it every time I watched it. And I was wondering, oh, am I still going to like it? I did. It is tricky now because he's so it's so oft parodied now. Like all the times yeah. I saw it before were like kind of between 92 and 94. Maybe we're probably all the watches I ever did of this movie in the past are really in the past and watching it last night. It was tricky. You know, Kate, Kate was like in the, <laughs> Kate was taking a bath and she's, and, and she hears the screen and she's laughing and she says, it sounds like a movie featuring your impression of Al Pacino. And, <laughs> and she's, she's like, this is peak Pacino, isn't it? And I, was just, yes. I was like, you're right. It's peak Pacino in a lot of ways. It's uber Al. It is yep. great, but it is really, <laughs> it really is big. But it's also, he does that thing that I think, I think Walken's capable of. I, I definitely know Nicholson's capable of. I like those actors who catch a lot of shit for going so big and, mm. And seemingly broad on screen, you know, bombast, like really mm-hmm. accessing all that power and just kind of like exploding it in front of a camera. I always have liked that. I'm always a sucker for that with, the, with those guys. Yeah. I really Nicholson and Pacino. I'm more of a Pacino fan than a De Niro fan. I just am. And uh, Me too. as much as I love De Niro, it, it's I kind of like where he goes. It's thrilling that he goes that big and that he he generally and I can't really think of a movie where I've thought. Oh, he was too big and it and the movie collapsed under the weight of it or it was it made me wince it was too over the top there, yeah. there must be some but maybe i haven't I seen mean, Dick them tracy you know, I, is close but it's a cartoon movie, so who cares that. yeah because it yeah it's a huge but i think that's the one that sort of starts this uber al you know sir you're out of order i don't i show you out of order you don't know what out of order is mr trask i'd show you but i'm too old I'm too tired, I'm too fucking blind. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place! I mean, you think about what he does in the Godfather movies in those first two. I mean, he never really does that. In those movies, he is still as day. I mean, to the point where they almost wanted to fire him. They thought he was boring when they first Mm, started to film the movie. He never really comes back to that's really the only time that i can think of in a film where he's so contained and Mm. so still i think there are Uh, moments and there are moments even in this that he accesses that oh he can do that but you know what i'm saying i feel like it's a different type of pacino in godfather one and two and and, and that's not a slight on it they're both just as thrilling and and exciting but he he doesn't really i feel like after those movies he lets go a little bit more you don't want to die. And neither do you. Give me one reason not to. I'll give you two. You can dance a tango and drive a Ferrari better than anyone I've ever seen. You've never seen anyone do either. 
again, it's like these little moments, like you say, the moment where you can tell he's lonely and he wants him to stay. And there, the moments where he's kind of done everything on his bucket list there. And you can see the life is draining out of him. He's like, yeah, he doesn't have anything left. And then, face. and then Chris O'Donnell keeps trying. He's like, let's go out for a ride. And he goes, for, they, yeah. get, they do the Ferrari and he's excited. And then as soon as he gets out of the car, it all drains away because oh. he doesn't have anything left. Like O'Donnell hasn't figured out how to really flip the switch for him. And yeah. yeah and their work together is beautiful. His like Dan, the way you said the moment with the little children is beautiful. The moment where he says goodbye to him at the school before he has the big scene where he comes back in and right. said the flamethrower to this place. And he, yeah. the, when he touches his face for the first time, he wants to feel yeah, his face. Nice. I, I wept. I was like, Oh my God, that's right. That's what it the blind do me. when they're connecting with another person. That's right. And it's like, let me read your face. It reminded me beautiful. of a few weeks ago when Daredevil touched Bruce Banner's face. <laughs> and that was actually Ferrigno's face, the Hulk. And then he, they cut to Daredevil touching his face. And then they cut back and it's Bixby, which means Daredevil had his fingers on his face during transformation. transformation. That's right. I remember that. So fucking cool. <laughs> And I was like, oh, who's Chris O'Donnell going to transform into? Oh, right. This isn't Pilot Robin. And then he turned into he's Robin. About, he's about to turn into Robin. Um, yeah, no, I thought I, I thought he was. piece is growing for some reason. No, I love the little coda with him and the children. I thought it was beautiful. I, I just, oh, that's I really, such a beautiful I, thing. And he's like, help me carry the bag, you know, because he's has been. Oh. He's like, because he's so much self-loathing. He's such an unhappy yeah. man. And he's been sitting in that little guest house or and just oh, like god probably being like a terror those kids were probably so afraid of him and just thought he was yeah. you know they make fun of him and this and that because he's probably never taken the time he just hated himself too much to see and feel like i know it's it's very not that it's even manipulative it's just it's it's um it's sweet it has this happy ending and it kind of ties you know it really ties up yeah. a lot of ends that you know he meets he says I, maybe you'll meet a woman someday colonel and then, and he, then meets he meets one, francis yeah. conroy the next day <laughs> at the school the i mean <laughs> Yes. Flowers from a book. That's right. Did you smell that? Mmm. Smells like Sheila. <laughs> How many Sheilas you gonna give this? Mm. I'm sniffing about. Some honey. Six Sheilas for this. Six. Six Sheila's and, uh, and a spritz of polo. Let me <laughs> remind you that I gave Leprechaun 6.5. <laughs> so you're giving an Oscar-nominated movie, Oscar-winning for Pacino, less Sheila's than I gave Leprechaun. I just want to... That's right. Yeah, but that's, that's, right. That's, that's on you, Dan. <laughs> oh, is it? Oh, I'm sorry. That's not his, his rating has nothing to do with how much you love Leprechaun. I'm blaming Fred for this. I'm blaming you. Uh, I'm going nine. Oh, wow. Holy shit. Nine, gentlemen. I'm I'm 7.5 and I love it, but I'm 7.5. Maybe I could be talked up to an eight. But I think Ooh. nine is Philip Seymour Hoffman, Eddie. Bradley oh. Whitford, James Redhorn. We haven't talked about James Redhorn. It doesn't matter. Philip Seymour Hoffman. You you had me at Philip Seymour Hoffman. All right, eight. Yes. I'm going eight. I'm going eight. Sheila's. As if the as if the devil is speaking himself. Hello, you're on the phone, the regular phone, here on the opening weekend podcast. Of course, you knew that we were going to talk about your movie today. Yes, yes. Sir. All right, I'll put you on. Great to hear from you. Thank you. 
ladies and gentlemen, once again here on the podcast, the legendary member of the pod squad and star of Scent of a Woman, Al Pacino. Mr. Pacino, hello. How the fuck you doing, boys? <laughs> How the fuck are you? Oh, are my spidey sense was tingling. I could tell. I was like, <laughs> the boys are recording. I know they're recording. What are they recording this you week? You know, you're tapped into us. You're tapped, so into us, tapped in. I am so tapped in. Did you like it? Did you like it? How many Sheilas? How many Sheilas you give me for this? I Mr. gave it 10 Sheilas. The other guy's very you're a liar. Low. 10 Sheilas. That's why I love you you're best, lying. Fred. That's why I, I love know. you best. You're the way you Mr. remind you me the do. most of me. You remind me of a young me, which is a whole what? other person. A whole completely different person that I strangled, killed, buried, and used the DNA to re... I guess you could call it a rebranding. Rebranded into this new delicious husk that you see before you. I thought you dated a woman named Young Me for a time in the 70s. Absolutely. Me and Woody. Trade it off. Oh, boy. Uh, no, go ahead, Fred, please. You have a question for the no, great Mr. Pacino. No, not at all. I was just going to, how are you doing? How is everything on the road? Yes, where, are you? where are you it's in the pod squad? Are you with them? Jack and I, on New Year's Eve, we made a little merry. And uh, we said, <laughs> let's let's mix it up. We said, you know, we're all in a caravan. We're, you know, we're like in the, in the mystery machine, like Scooby fucking do, <laughs> heading out there to the Pacific Northwest. It's yeah, we gotta air it out a little. So I said Jack and I said, let's do it like wacky races, or it's a mad, 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 mad world or something. Let's all let's all get a vehicle. So we went to this used car lot. And we said, just and Dr. Merlot comes out. He's got a wad. He's you know, because he's has so much that foot meat money. He's so he's like He's like, he's like, I'm going to try and do my Merlot impression. He's like, is there one for you and one for you? And uh, yeah, yeah, you get a con, you get a con. He was very, he was excited. And, uh, and we said, okay, we're all going to meet up. And we all said, and we all got the, the GPS. We all said, we all went to a different, uh, I had suggested a Sam Goody. They said, there's no more Sam Goody. We found, we all said, all right. Pick a different Dunkin'. Talk about rebranding. So pick a di- I said Dunkin' Donuts. They're like, it's not Dunkin' Donuts anymore. I was like, what the fuck you know? Anyway, so Jacob and I, well, we got into it a bit. Anyhow, so now it's called Dunkin'. So we all put into our little GPS thing, a, a Dunkin'. And we said, all right, you're going to take the one on La Brea. You're gonna ta-. So we all go, we all head towards a different Dunkin'. And then from there, we plug in Whoa. Pacific Northwest. And then, so now there's however many of us all in different vehicles heading there, and we're going to see who gets there first. Oh, so now it's like a race. It's like a race. It's like a cannonball run. It's like your very own cannonball run. That's the one I'm thinking of. (laughs) Cannonball run. My good friend Jamie Farr. Well, Rest in peace. Is he dead? Really? You're like the you're like the Captain Chaos of the uh, the Arthur Pod Squad. That, no, that's Jacob Joseph. He's got we got him a Captain Chaos outfit for Christmas. We said we said come here, roll over here, and get your Captain Chaos outfit. And he Rest was he was happy peace. about it. Is he dead? Oh my god, Jamie! If you're out there, I haven't spoken to you in a while, but. Um, <laughs> Those were good days, my friend. So, yeah, so we're all hoping to converge. 
Good for you. Well, I hope you win the race. Uh, 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 oh, oh, hang on. I bet you I know who this is. The time phone is ringing off the hook. Oh, boy, and, oh, boy. Squirting and going crazy. I bet I know who this is. If I, my money's on, well, you know what last time happened when when current day Al Pacino called another Mr. Pacino called from the past. Let's see. Yes, hello. You're on the time phone on the opening weekend. Po- oh. Oh. Okay. Sure. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. Okay. We'll put you on. That's fine. That's fine. What's the problem? Uh, oh, he's there too. Okay. All right. Hang on. One moment, please. Hold, please. Ladies and gentlemen, for some reason, it's Nick Nolte and Lumpy. You're a good, <laughs> good afternoon. You're on the opening weekend podcast. Nick Nolte and his quote unquote son, Lumpy. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> uh, we. we yeah. do- Lumpy, did we call the right number again? <laughs> Mr. Pacino, do you know, did we establish this last time? Are you familiar with Mr. Nolte and his work? I'm sure I'm familiar. I've seen North Dallas 40. Is he in there? <laughs> I don't know. Well, we haven't spent time together, I don't think. But uh, are you we with have his slipped Lumpy with some of the same Lumpy. ladies. Oh, that Lumpy, I know, I know well. Lumpy. <laughs> Are you oh, doing that's lump? Good, lumpy? That's a good lumpy. That's a good boy. Wait, hey, he's doing me back at me. He's doing me back at me. God bless. God bless, Lump. Mr. Nolte, what did you and Lumpy call about? Did you want to talk to Mr. Pacino and 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 thank him for his years of work? Oh hell no! I was just I was. <laughs> No, thank him for his years of goddamn work. I, I could have done half his shit. I, oh, oh, my finger's oh. funny. My finger smells funny. No, what I was going to say is, <laughs> calm down, Lumpy. No, I was, Lumpy and I were trying to make coffee you know, with the coffee can, and we, and then I forgot, there's no, there's a man's ashes in there. It's not coffee anymore. <laughs> but I was, uh. So I got all confused and such, and then uh, and then I was calling. They have a hotline on the can. They said oh, if you I have see. questions or concerns about this product, because <laughs> I was gonna say calling. it tastes like a motherfucking dead guy. It tastes like a dead guy. This coffee's awful, and Lumpy agreed, and so we called in. <laughs> but then I'm just now, you. as you picked up, I figured out it was just it was just dead man's ashes. <laughs> That's your favorite coffee brand, I heard. Mr. Pacino, what do you what do you think of that story from uh, Mr. Nolte? Do you buy it? I think, do I buy it? You should see the shit that happens with our squad. I don't want to tell you. You know, and you say, well, where are the bodies buried? Oh, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. So I understand. I've, I've had some ash in my mouth in my day. Whoa. Ash. Whoa. A S H. A S H. Right. Come on. Right. Come on. No, I mean, you know, you guys hey, got to do it. Nick, who are you talking to? <gasps> Look who's Nick, just... who are you talking to on that weird funky oh, phone over God there with all the bubbling? Little Nick. Al. Call him. Who are you talking to? <laughs> I'll call him who, Little who Al. It's your, I don't know, your grandpappy. What would you call him? <laughs> he's your, he's you, his future you. He's a yeah. oh, for God's are you on that are you on that Fakakta time phone? I'm on the damn time that, phone, yeah. To the old version of me with the voice. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, young That's Al Pacino true. is with young Gur Nick Nolte, who sounds how, like how, Nick well, Nolte. Who am I? How old? 
Oh shit! It's, it's I don't know. Where I'm Hello, been. Mr. Young Pacino. Did you now? You, you realize uh, your future self is on the phone here. I know. Old Al Pacino. I Hi, buddy. That gr- oh God! Just listening to the voice gives me <laughs> such. Angela, what did you do? What, what did, did you, you do? do? Oh, you made me. You created me. How do I do that? Just listening to your voice, it makes I'm getting so tense. I feel like a vein is 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 popping on the side of my, oh my gosh, let it go. face now. now. Let it go. It's happening oh, now, ladies and gentlemen. We're, we're, we're witnessing oh. the transformation you of are. Al Pacino to old. It's like I'm 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 hearing you. I have this lovely, yeah. beautiful tenor voice. You did. And to hear what I become, it's just, it's just it's too much. It's almost it's all. Is it stressing you out? <laughs> hmm? Is it stressing oh. you out? Here, watch. This tape of cruising. Watch this tape of cruising. You're Is going to make him want to leave the business for, for four years. Don't do that. To oh no, him. then I, I'll do that. I got revolution here in my pocket. You're going to do this. Oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> What's that, Lumpy? No, no, no. Don't, let, don't let Lumpy see it. You want to get in a sling too? Oh, All right. No. I oh. think we have. Oh boy. I, I think oh we have boy. To, we have to get out of this. This. Ooh, this. Call. And ah. <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you so much for calling Nick Nolte, Lumpy, Young Al Pacino. Yeah, that's <laughs> Thank you, all four of you, for calling in. Al, please give our best to the Arthropod Squad. Oh, Young Al, what you become. <laughs> wow. Wow. That was, that was... I, I, once again, you never know what's going to happen on opening weekend really podcast. You never know who's going to call in. Wow. God, thank God you got that time phone from Hoyt Axton. Thank God. Thank the capabilities. God. The, 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 you, you never know who's going to call on it or from what era or who knows who from when or how. I think, I really think that, uh, I think Nick Nolte does not, he's, he, I think he's starting to strain, like he's the key to the multiverse here because I don't know what <laughs> age he is. He's in the past, but he definitely sounds almost dead. It's, it's, he's very, <laughs> I cannot tell what age he is. And I don't think he can. Talk I don't about know. eating some ash. I mean, my God, he's he's literally he's, he's almost going to ash. I think he is ageless. But yeah, you might be right there, Jason. Maybe he's straddling universes, or he like know. lives in some sort of mirror universe. But he's uh, he doesn't sound well. Doesn't <laughs> I sound think well. maybe through the time phone, we've just ripped the threads of the time space continuum so much. Oh, he's boy. he's he's just sort of peeking through. There's like this this weird ether of Nolte that's just going back and yeah. forth. Yeah, it might be like. Uh, yeah, it might be like in Hulk when he turned into like electricity or something and like yeah. zipped through the clouds. He, it was yeah. just the molecular integrity of Nolte has been compromised in some way. I don't I know. Wonder if his, I wonder if his coffee can has anything to do with it or if he's using it as the actual phone. <laughs> that's, that's what I was getting the impression, that he called somebody on that, on his coffee can, <laughs> and somehow accessed the time phone. Because when he did in a treehouse... <laughs> With a string with wax on it. Oh, I don't That's know. That's the key to the multiverse. We found it. Nick Nolte's coffee can from 1985. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we wish the uh, we wish you all the best. We wish the best to the Arthropod Squad yes. in getting up to the Pacific Northwest to save our Sheila from the Queen Suckers. You know she's half murder hornet. They're all trying to get up there, a la in a wacky races or cannibal run type fashion. Yeah. And we can't wait to see what develops. But the main thing is, listen. Subscribe, subscribe. <laughs> rate five stars on the iTunes and tell everyone else, you know, to subscribe next week. 
on opening weekend podcast, we are oh, traveling yeah. back to January 15th. It's my birthday, actually. January 15th, Yay! 1988. And the wide releases of Moonstruck, starring Ooh. Cher and Nicolas Cage. Good Morning Vietnam, starring Robin Williams. Wow. And the release of a Molly Ringwald comedy called Four Keeps, which I have never seen. But I remember fondly I. from my days uh, working at the video store. I remember when it was a new release when I was working at the video <laughs> store back in the late 80s. But I, I never actually saw the movie. So that is next week on opening weekend. What do you got for us? So what did you what did you come up with, Dan? I took a little bit of time. to. I have to I, I got to tell you something. Please. I got to interject before Please. you logged on. Dan was working on stuff. I got to see him do a little wood shedding. I got to see the manualist work his craft and it was, it was just as thrilling as you would think. It was sort of amazing wow. just to sort of be a fly on the wall and see what he was going to do. That's so exciting. I'm very excited. Yeah. If only Chaplin had been as much of a behind the scenes look yes. at how the genius was creating his work, but no, I, I, and I listened to a little bit of, uh, of the tango, uh, sequence from, uh, from uh, Scent of a Woman a couple mm -hmm. of times to see if I could see if I could get it down. And let's see if I can, let's see if I can get at least some of it a little bit. Let's see. Sweat. <laughs> really is the scent of a woman. Oh. <laughs> it sort of sounded like he died at the end. It his was soul like the died. spirit leaving him. It was like that. Yeah. It was like, yeah, he had his tango. And then he's like, what else is there to live for? <laughs> Beautiful. What, a, what else can I live for, Chris O'Donnell? <laughs> oh my God. Thank God we're in a convertible. <laughs> oh, it happened again. <laughs> See you next week. Did we talk about you changing me? Because, oh, there it is. Good morning. You sleep out there. Stay out of my room. Oh, that was a good one. Hello. That was nice. That one was unexpected. I wasn't sure about... Ooh, that, that was you. Hello. <laughs> the opening weekend podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa with editing by Jason O'Connell and sound mixing by Fred Berman. Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening. I'm in the fart here. Oh, God. <laughs>